Serbia's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. Do you like my face? Do you like it? Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, the Formula One podcast that now has a fairly settled lineup, unlike Toro Rosso this season. <laughs> no. uh, I am your host, Tom King, and I am joined, as always, by Chris Evans. Hello, hello. And Stu Greenwood. Konnichiwa. Ooh. Yeah, see what you did there. Hey, mm. hey. Tom, I noticed you almost forgot your own name. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I was a theme. Do, do you know, it's related to other things, but sometimes I say Thomas and sometimes I say Tom, and I forgot what I said on this show. And I realised <laughs> on this show I'm officially Tom. Is that when you're telling yourself off? Thomas. <laughs> no, I don't I don't know what it is. There's just the other show. I'm, a, I'm Thomas on there. And I think it's because I'm with my brothers. Maybe. Which of your identities uh, is the serial killer? Uh, neither of those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, it's a different one. It's a, a third yeah. mystery identity. Exactly. <laughs> Which will not be known until it's too late. <laughs> but moving on to actual race-related things that are on topic, um, should we ju- just have a brief mention for this bizarre mess that is Toro Rosso's We probably lineup should. Before we get into the race, because to be fair... I've brought it up, and I think it's worth talking about, just for those that aren't fully enlightened as to what's going on. Not that anyone is fully enlightened into what's going on. Yeah, I don't think even Franz Tost knows what's going on. Yeah, so basically at the moment, there's a scenario where, as many people will know, over this weekend, it was, am I right in saying it was between qualifying and the race? Was it Saturday night? I believe so, yeah. So Saturday evening... um, it became official that Carlos Sainz will be driving for Renault as of the American Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time, which means Palmer has officially been dropped for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think I think they actually let Palmer like set the ball rolling by posting, I think it's like on his Instagram or something like that, because 2017, that he it was going to be his last race, and then kind of as soon as he did that, all the official announcements kind of rolled. Yeah. So I think they kind of said, we'll let you at least announce it yourself um better than after not telling him at all like well previously well apparently signs only found out about half an hour before it all got announced um (laughs) it's uh, after weeks and weeks of palmer saying i'm here to the end and renault saying he's here to the end it's sort of always the way isn't it yeah Mm. Yeah. these contracts aren't really worth the paper they're written on are they no i would very much like to know how much they've paid uh palmer to break that probably, contract probably quite a lot I would have thought I would imagine mm. so well the thing that that then causes is the American Grand Prix clashes with Pierre Gasly's final round of Super Formula back in Japan so the original plan was after this race this weekend Pierre Gasly would probably end up staying in Japan to complete his final race of Super Formula because he's only half a point behind the championship leader. So in theory, uh, finishing the points above his rival would give him a title. Um, And Danny Kvyat would come back for the American race to race alongside Carlos Sainz. Well, now Sainz has gone... Kvyat is coming back for the American Grand Prix in a couple of weeks but he will end up sat alongside Gasly and Honda are now 
kicking up a stink because they want what is quite a big title in Japan itself. It's quite a well-regarded title, yeah, the Super Formula so. title. And I think what makes it worse is the rival who Gasly is half a point behind is, um, am I right in saying a Toyota driver? You are, yeah. Uh, so obviously there's a big manufacturer thing and then Honda will obviously be supplying Toro Rosso next season so with Pierre Gasly driving for Honda in Super Formula they're trying to say well we want him and whether thick, I, I don't think they turn around and say well we're not going to supply your engines next year unless you let him race but it feels like it's going in that direction because they really want him to finish the season it wouldn't be a great start to their relationship would it no. We're going. We're for the sake of having a guy in our car for one race. We're going to cost you a championship. Yeah. Mm. Um. Because initially the announcement was, signs is off. Kvyat's back. Uh, Kvyat and Gasly in the car for America, and yeah. then they sort of backpedaled on that afterwards. So it's all kind of very much up in the air. I don't really see, honestly, at this stage in the season, what difference it makes giving him the drive in Formula 1 why can't just Me drive the Super Formula race why Why take him to the USA Grand Prix when he can win a championship it, 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 is that championship that important to him probably not but it's still a championship the thing that you, you're going to find here though is beforehand when it was Science and then Kvyat coming back to sit with Science and the, that being the pairing then the logical sense was let Gasly go back and, and finish Super Formula and just bring Kvyat back in for a race. But now Red Bull is stuck in a very immediate problem of I don't think they have anybody left on, on their books who has a super license to be able to to drive in F1. Uh, I think the closest well, thing they've got is um, the young Finn, um, who is Nico Kari, in GP3, which I'm sure I'm sure GP3 would give him enough of a, a license qualification to race in F1 on a temporary basis, but he's only uh, he's only 18, so he only just makes the cut. And to yeah. be fair, he's not been doing that great in GP3 for the last couple of years. He's doing okay, but he's not really standing out. So it's a case he's not of Verstappen. No, exactly, and. And then there's Dan Tictum, who we've discussed before, who has a habit of just purposely crashing into people when he when He's he not falls got the out best with reputation. Uh, and then the <laughs> other two young drivers on the books are both 16, so they've got no chance because of the rules. So well, who fills that initially? Seat? Um, Alex Rossi was a name getting banded yes. about for a while because obviously American race, American driver might be a nice bit of PR, but he has now said no idea where that came from no truth to it i've got no interest in it i'm, I'm an indycar driver i think he might even have a race that weekend um <laughs> but then also interestingly which i'd forgotten do you know who toro rosso's official reserve driver is don't they have one i don't think they have one do they they do have yeah, one it's sebastian Buemi. it is sebastian Buemi. Ah, yeah right that makes sense. Which is bizarre given that they like he's one of the many young drivers that they just unceremoniously ditched so I was really surprised that he's actually still on their books. But yeah, um, Buemi is technically in the frame for that as well. He's a he's a decent driver. Sebastian to be honest, Buemi. the way Buemi's driving these days in Formula E and World Endurance Championship, I think he'd probably give a lot of them a run for their money. I think he might, well, put in a decent result there. Yeah, yeah he's definitely made a heck of a name for himself. I'd really like to see that. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's a very weird situation. The- the thing I think bigger picture in all this that that really jumps out to me is 
from being this absolute hotbed of young talent that's that's just desperate to get into Formula One and having too many drivers for too few seats, they've now come to a position where they've kind of run out of drivers. With science in the Renault, Gasly's kind of the only real person to bring up and into Formula One, and then that's kind of it at the minute. Um, well, I think it's it's the way they've always treated their young drivers coming back to bite them to be honest like yeah. they yes they've always been very good at um helping young drivers get up through the ranks but there's very much a wall within red bull and you either climb that wall or you just get unceremoniously dropped from the whole thing like they've they've made a lot of careers and they've destroyed a lot of careers and i think that's kind of biting them now because like, as you say they've sort of run out of drivers yeah and the the thing that's um i think surprising as well is you've got drivers like tom dillman who's now in the renault program i think is it i believe um, so yeah and then you've also got alex lynn who i believe has ended up on williams's books at some point mm-hmm. and their drivers that red bull have had during the gp3 or formula three days and decided to get rid of but with some of the experience that someone like alex lynn could have had in the sport between when they dumped him and what he's probably got an insight from with Williams, if they'd have given him that same insight, he'd probably be an ideal candidate to just jump in for a race just to make sure it, it you know, got around the track in, in a kind of a standing sort of... I was about to say, do you want me to read Fast. through the number of Red Bull young drivers that didn't make into a Toros or Red Bull seat, but it would take the rest of the podcast. Yeah, there's It's a, a colossal lot. list. Like, just looking at recent years, um, there's some fairly big names there. Like, like say, Alex Lynn, Tom Blomqvist, uh, Antonio Felix da Costa, Alexander Albon, yeah. Karun Chandok, uh, Jan- Daniel Junkadela. Like, these are all pretty big names. Tom Dillman. Yeah. That, as you say, have all gone on to achieve pretty... De- Even My- Brendan Hartley, I forgot he was part of it as well. My- Michael Amamula yeah. was yeah, there of sort of... Well, it's nearly 10 years ago now, probably more than Mike. But Michael Amamula is... In my opinion, brilliant. I think he, I think he races Porsche now. I'm a Muller, but he's raced Porsche and he's dominated in Porsche, and he could quite easily go to other series and and set himself up. I don't think, in fairness to him, he ever won a title, but he's been around and done so much and done well in everything that you know it it makes you wonder why they they're so unceremonious in booting these drivers out of the program. They're they're pretty brutal about it. Mm. Get get Scott Ski, Scott, uh, get Scott Speed into it. Yeah, Christian uh, Klein. <laughs> yeah, Christian Klein. Anthony Davidson. <laughs> give Anthony, Anthony Davidson a call. Drag him out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Do we have any guess on what we think is going to happen with this? Well, it, let's technically call it Gasly's seat because that's what it is. So well, what do we think is going to happen with Gasly's seat in America? Given what's happened with this whole, like... Renault, Toro Rosso, McLaren saga over the last few months. I'm not sure I would hazard a guess. Like at this point, anyone coming back, like Mika Hakkinen coming back, wouldn't be the biggest surprise <laughs> in the world at this point. Like it's just the whole situation so weird. Yeah. If, if I was going to hazard hazard a guess, though, come on, we can guess. It's fun to guess. Um, I have a feeling that they will let him go and hopefully win his title to be honest um who they'd bring in though is a really tricky one i'd love to say boemi i would love boemi to come back for a race 
<clears throat> I think that'd be awesome. Mm. For him to come back and then dominate Danny Kvyat. I mean, I'm interested <laughs> to see what state of mind Kvyat's been, to be honest. I mean... Yeah. <clears throat> that's the thing isn't it like he's going to come back into the race seat having had like two two races two races now off and he's probably not going to be in the frame of mind to uh, no. do much of a decent he'll probably just bin it at the first corner I mean in theory he's back to lead the team as well like he's going to yeah. come back and be the experienced driver in that team what what a fall eh what a fall from grace the promotion to the Red Bull team then the the incident with Vettel when he went into the back of him then the immediate devotion back to uh Toro Rosso that guy is, is probably one career is probably being one of the harshest yeah in and history. I mean in a team with a reputation for not treating their young drivers particularly well he has definitely had the worst of it I yeah, mean that being said a really raw deal all that being said he is just about still in Formula One which is more than a lot of them can say <laughs> Um, yeah, more, it's more than uh, Joel and Palmer can well, say. That's true. Yeah. What's to say Palmer won't take the seat if it's, uh, <laughs> it's been thrown around that just to get somebody in the seat that's got experience of the cars this year yeah. to give them the best chance of of doing something with it, they put Palmer in it. But it'd be really, really funny. I think that if they went down that route and then Palmer scores like a sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, like a decent points finish. Yeah. And it'd just be like a yeah. middle finger straight up to Renault and like, yeah, in a bit, mate. Yeah. <laughs> finishes like a second ahead of, <laughs> finishes qualifying a second ahead of Kvyat. Uh What about Kubica? That was next I was going to say, maybe would Williams try and convince them to stick in one of their guys there? Um, apparently, mm considering yeah which that that could that be. list is growing again by the sounds of it the other option that really? it's not been thrown around too much but it may or may not be on the cards is Renault trying to put somebody in the sea in in way of an exchange and saying look if, if Gasly's not going to be there put I don't know who it'd be like Sorokin's not really got any experience yet this year has he so he doesn't know the car but he's somebody that's waiting in the wings at Renault so he's he's got to be cheesed off with this whole signs thing surely because he, yeah, I, totally. bet, I bet Sorokin's sat in the back of that garage thinking as soon as Palmer gets the boot it's mine it's mine and then Sainz just hops straight across it's like well so yeah that's a good point actually um yeah, looking at Renault's young drivers, they've not got anyone obviously ready to make the jump. Everyone, all of theirs are in sort of GP3, Formula Renault, F4. There's no sort of Super Formula or GP2 or anyone waiting yeah. in the wings. So, What about Honda's young drivers? Um, That's a good point. What about... um, oh, What's his name, the Japanese guy? Matsushita, is it? Yeah, Matsushita. Yeah, that's not a bad shirt. Two at the minute, because I think they're still very keen to get him a drive. Because it's kind of been, it's now sort of being said that Kvyat and Gasly at Toro Rosso next year is no longer a guarantee. Um, and as we said before, I think there's a chance Honda will maybe try and shoehorn one of their guys in, and he would be the obvious Mm. choice for that. Yeah, I suppose the only thing is with uh, Masashita. 
is he's technically in the McLaren Young Driver program. Yeah, he's in Whether there via he's Honda, in there, I think, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I think he's in through Honda because he's only been in there the last couple of years uh, since the Honda engine deal. So, yeah. And obviously, there's the Japanese link. So I think he is somebody that Honda have had put into the McLaren Young Driver program. But it's not to say that they could try and vie for him yeah. to get the seat. From what I'm seeing, it doesn't look like Honda actually have their own... No, it doesn't seem. As far as I know, they don't. Um, What they tend to do is raise people in things like Super Formula. So Mm. yeah, um, mm. musical chairs basically, isn't it? At Toro Rosso, it is very musical chairs. Yeah. So any any conclusions to draw from all that? No. (laughs) No, No. (laughs) it's just an interesting talking point. Um, I, I really, I really have no idea who we will see in that seat. No, not at all. And I think that Toro Rosso and Red Bull will kind of buckle to the Honda pressure and let Gasly go do his super formula. So it's going to be really interesting who they do pull through into that seat. Really interesting. We shall see. More on that next week. (laughs) Yeah, almost (laughs) sure. I'm sure there will be. Um, Knowing our luck, as soon as we hit stop on this episode, the news will probably break. And Definitely. this conversation will be rendered useless. But it's happened Absolutely. now. It's okay. It's so in the bag. So there was, there, was, there was a race this weekend, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, there was a race. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so um, probably one of the bigger talking points on the race was before it even started um, and problems in the lead up to the race for Sebastian Vettel. A Ferrari so, with his engine cover off on the grid again. Yep. So We're getting a good team. look inside that Ferrari, aren't we? We are. We're getting a lot of mechanical issues, though, in the last few weeks as well, last few races, which is another strange yeah. thing to see from a team like it Ferrari. It is, yes. Um, a factory team like that. But, yeah, we saw the team trying to fix a spark plug um, and ultimately failing to do so. Um, but, interestingly, during the issue, Vettel decided to stay with the car, missing the national anthem, and that has earned him a second reprimand for the season after his first one was for coming across the pit exit line too soon in Monaco. And that actually means that one more reprimand, a third reprimand, as long as it's for some form of driving standards violations, so like an, an on-track driving issue, that would see him pick up a 10-place grid penalty at that race or the next race, depending on how, how it falls. So... Do we think that it's a little silly him staying with the car when it, it's been worked it's, on by the mechanics? It's very silly. Like, okay, I get the whole, you know, we're a team and he wanted to be there to, like, I don't know. To, to put more pressure on the mechanics. Well, possibly that, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they all know the rules. There's the, They've had to go to the front to, for the anthem for two or three seasons now. It's kind of how it works. And it's just very silly. It's another unnecessary problem he's got himself into. Yeah, which it seems to be full of them in the last couple of yeah. races. Like the, the crash at Singapore, ultimately avoidable. The crash after Malaysia, which you never know, they, it could ultimately all fall back to that. Some, some. Then again, he was all right in free practice, but we don't know which you know which engines have been in the car, yeah, what's been true. in the car, what's not. So we don't know. But the the crash in uh, Malaysia was silly and avoidable. And then this reprimand is silly and avoidable. So, the, the, I think it smacks of petulant child 
to me. It, it's, it feels like Sebastian Vettel does what he wants. He just mm. he, he has no he has no sort of interest in following the rules. He doesn't really care what the stewards think. I mean, he's, he's got an attitude problem. He does. To be fair, he does <clears throat> come across far more mature these days. Like the, these last few races, like <clears throat> uh, Vettel of the past, and to be fair, Hamilton of the past was the same. Would have been effing and jeffing and blaming this and that mm. and screaming stuff and you know he actually put quite a <clears throat> mature brave face in the whole thing but he's just doing all these silly little things all the time and it's costing him and honestly yeah, the way this gone. season's gone i won't be surprised at all if he does end up picking up that penalty well all, mm. all it takes is for him to inadvertently block someone in qualifying or yeah. accidentally speeding the pit lane or you know something really simple that could happen quite easily between yeah. now and the end of the season and that's a 10 place grid penalty yeah and you, you, you only need to lock a wheel leading into the pit lane and you've broke the speed limit yeah and that is it's a reprimand so easily done yeah oh you know Sorry, you know what you'll I, do don't you um when well, he inevitably needs another some kind of uh engine change that gives him a penalty that drops him to the back of the grid just deliberately speed in the pit lane so you get your reprimand at the same time <laughs> You know what? Knowing him, he would. Yeah, I, I, uh, that that you laugh, but he would <laughs> get it for on the long-term sure predictions would. list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that th- this is all obviously before the race. Um, eventually, the team did think they'd fixed the spark plug issue, but ultimately, now we know they didn't. Uh, but after all that rushing and trying to fix the car, we saw an action-packed opening lap. Really. Um, mm. Great starts for yeah. both the Red Bulls, most notably Max Verstappen. Um, yeah. yeah, that dive down the inside um, into turn one was awesome. Yeah, fighting yeah. off his teammate, and then later on in the lap, um, a great move on Vettel. Um, yeah, from a long way back yeah. as well. Yeah. Obviously, that may have been contributed to a little bit by Vettel's issues, but to yeah. put it in the position he did and you know muscle, him, yeah, muscle yeah. his way but, through, I think that there was as much skill in that as there was taking advantage of Vettel's issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. going, it was, it, going up it was that... as much... Un- go on, sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, go on, you go, you go. Going up that um, steep hill to the hairpin with a knackered engine, he was probably significantly off the pace by that point. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it was mostly done under braking, wasn't it? Because he was yeah. a long way back still. So oh, like, yeah, if, you look, at, way if you look at the onboard, he had to come for a quite a way back. So like, I think it, 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 no one else would have done it there. No, only he yeah. would. Only he would throw it up the inside like that. And he caught Vettel totally off guard as well. You can see by the, the body language of the car, Vettel turns in and is like, "Oh, <laughs> there's a Red Bull there. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a Verstappen-shaped car there." Yeah. Um, worth mentioning yeah. Ocon as well. Um, third by. He took third and turned two or three, didn't he? Past uh, Ricardo. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And actually held it for quite a chunk of the race as well, didn't he? It was, it was always up around there. Um, ultimately, he finished, I want to say, sixth. Let me just have a look. You... He was indeed sixth. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a, it was a well-held sort of top end of the table uh, yeah definitely raise for both for both force indias for that matter yeah you know perez was always there or thereabouts on ocon's yeah. tail as well um, i mean he yeah. only he only got overtaken by ricardo bottas and Raikkonen, which you know is yeah. you yeah. can't blame him too much for that exactly well there's a whole there's a whole thing about that though isn't there because perez and ocon have obviously got quite a quite a peppered history a checkered mm. past i should say <laughs> yeah um it, with their racing and they're they were actively telling perez not to race him not to overtake yeah. him which, the, the more interesting thing I find about that is 
not necessarily that he was told no. It's more the language that uh, Perez used in asking. Most drivers are saying, like, you know, can I get past him? Can I overtake him? Can I have a go at mm. whoever's in front? Perez's words were, <laughs> can I attack Esteban? <laughs> and the user reply was, no, no, you can't, Sergio. <laughs> I just found that just, it's just the mentality in the language because there is clearly still a little bit of beef, let's say, mm. between them. Yeah. There. Although and Perez doesn't like being outdone by Ocon, I don't think. No, no not well, at all. It, I think, I think Perez was quicker this race, to be honest. He, he finished only. He was really on his tail at one point. Yeah. And he only finished four seconds behind him. Yeah. So um, he was definitely held up at a, a number of points during the race by Ocon. Mm. And yeah, I think he would have if they'd let if they'd let them duel, then Perez would have either ended both their races or <laughs> or uh, come out on top. <clears throat> it's hard to decide with those two, though. Sometimes, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we lost Carlos Sainz, though, to a mistake in the S's quite early on Signing in that same Signing off his Toro Rosso career in style. Yeah. Um, pretty silly, him, really, wasn't it? It was indeed. It led to him meeting the towel wall, and it ultimately came down to a little bit of driver error, really. He was, yeah. he was out wide, tried to squeeze the power a little too much and just oversteered out, really, didn't he? That's, that's pretty much sums up what he did. Pretty much, yeah. Dipped wheel onto the gravel. Yeah. And catapulted into the tire wall. Yep. Um, not long after that, Vettel was absolutely being swallowed up by everybody, including the Force Indias. Um, yeah, that I think it was turn two down in, uh, sorry, lap two down into turn one, where everyone was just like swamping past him and yeah, zigzagging yeah. left to right along the track oh. was insane. It was yeah, it was a was nice a little scene. a nice little scene that I enjoyed. That there was like a Red Bull trying to go one way. There was. Um, Bottas trying to go the other way. I think it was Ricardo. In fact, it must have been Ricardo because Verstappen was already past him. So you got Ricardo on one side trying to get behind him, Bottas on the other. There was Ocon trailing them trying to get <laughs> get through that. So yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was it was interesting. I think the Bottas move in that uh, in that little run really stood out to me again yeah. as the as probably the best one because that was all under brakes as well. It was another one where Vettel turned in and had to sort of back out of his turn. Because there was someone there on the inside of him, it was a very, very sort of chance overtake, but it, it worked out for him. It was actually very opportunist because really Vettel was fighting. Um, he was fighting Ricardo at that point, wasn't he? Yeah. And Bottas could see what was unfolding before it happened, and he put himself in the right place at the yeah. right time under braking yeah. and took both places for himself. So it was quite insightful, to be honest. Yeah. It was Bottas. it was a risky move. He mm-hmm. put a lot of faith in Vettel not to turn in on him. Yeah. I thought there, because and really again, it's it's back to this sort of feeling that we have about drivers, the ones at the sharp end are there because they can race and they don't smash each yeah. other up every opportunity. Vettel did well to deal with that situation as well. Like, yeah, there was so much going on around him, so many cars coming at him much quicker. He was he did <laughs> yeah. well not to have anyone hit him. Yeah. Imagine the panic you'd feel. Yeah. Just play. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it, it's got to be a horrible feeling, though. It's like yeah, when yeah. when you're in a slower car that you're kind of used to it. You know, one of the teams from further back, unless you're Alonso in a McLaren. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna you, say you're kind of yeah. used to it. But for Vettel to be in a position where he's normally chasing the lead and being swallowed up like that, it must feel awful. Absolutely yeah. awful. Have you ever been in a go kart and the engine's been cutting out on you? Yep, before? it sucks. 
Yeah, it's it's. I imagine it's like that feeling because it's 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 immense frustration because you just want it to go 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 kind of thing, but at the same time it's fear from all the all the people behind you coming past you. <laughs> you don't know who's going to hit you because you're going so slow. Yeah. Well, we eventually lost Vettel officially on lap five, um, and not long after, Marcus Ericsson managed to bin it into the wall at Degna two. Yeah, he um. Yeah. It was just just that yeah. corner claiming another victim, wasn't it? Really. Well, I wanted to bring this one up on on this point because, as you say, many people seem to struggle with the corner over the weekend, but Ericsson's incident, I I think, was possibly a lot more avoidable because the difference between Ericsson's incident in the race and then all the other incidents we saw is it. Everybody else was maybe carrying a little too speed into Degna 2 and they were losing the back end and drifting wide and kind of going sideways. What we saw with Ericsson was coming completely wide out of Degna 1 onto the rumble strip and it it looks from the onboard like there's pretty much a moment where he just kind of beaches himself up on the rumble strip yeah. and he can't help but slide forward because of the yeah. way he's got himself and he's in a position where he's then hopeless. Now... Is that more avoidable than the other incidents we saw in FP so, one, yeah. two, it's, three, and so on? It's like Degna one. Max mistakes on the exit of Degna one, and then Degna two just kind of gobbled him up afterwards. Yeah. yeah, if you if you do make a mistake in Degna one, then that's you're definitely going to retire. Because yeah. as soon as your tires are on the gravel, there, there's just no grip, and you need to be slowing down for the next corner. There are yeah. there are tag team um, of corners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the the stone cold Steve Austin of of Formula One corners, the the, um, the wrestler that you could have gone to with probably the least tag team experience. <laughs> is it? Is it? Uh, you know what? I'm not a I'm not actually a WWE or WWF fan, whatever they call it these days. So uh, I, I chose. I was unwise to choose Unfortun- a reference <laughs> on a topic so. I know it's nothing like, about. It's like Stone Cold and his famous tag team partner. Beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm just down to that being completely avoidable, in my opinion, from yeah, Ericsson and just bad driving on his part. I think yeah, bad driving is is one I'd, I'd agree with that. Interesting after the conversation we had last week about how much of a peer driver he appears to be. Well, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's the first thing that popped in my head as soon as I saw him put the wheel on the gravel. I thought that's a pay driver for you. <laughs> Um, not long after that, the race kind of settled down for a little while. Um, so a little bit of action during the pit stops where Max just about stayed ahead of Kimi Raikkonen. Um, Nico Hulkenberg retired with a DRS failure, which just felt tragic for everyone. It really watching, was. He had put in a hell of a drive. He'd got his, he was up to eighth, I think, by that point. And he was, because yeah. he had to make a his pit stops were kind of out of whack with everyone else so he was he pitted late on and was sort of fighting his way through mm-hmm. in fact I just, there's something on board he looked like he was having the time of his life just like cruising up to people and scything his way through the field yeah um, although it, I think it was Ted Kravitz was saying he was kind of asking them and didn't get an answer whether because I don't know if you saw like when they were trying to fix the DRS flap it was pretty much completely detached from one side and he well, said, it was by the time they'd finished with it. Yes, he said <laughs> whether he it was <laughs> that actually it was them punching the rear wing to try and get it back in that actually completely broke it. So yeah, it like it, oh. it was stuck open. Um, and from what Hulkenberg was saying after the race in the press pen, 
it was just a, a small metal flap that had broken and wasn't pushing the the DRS flap shut again. So to me, that would say yeah. if you could kind of manage to force the flap shut, you would hope it would stay there. But literally, the first thing the mechanic went for was his fist <laughs> applied vigorously to the DRS he flap. He definitely broke and it. He, just, he must have punched it about eight <laughs> or nine times. Just, it, the, the car had barely stopped, and he was already punching it. And it was just... Oh. But obviously, we saw how frustrated Hulkenberg was getting out of the car. And to be honest, I don't blame him because... No. I understand they were desperate to try and fix it, but come on, that can't be your just go-to thing of, oh, let's just yeah. punch you the crap out so. of it. And it would yeah. be a great drive had... up to that point as well. Mm. Yeah, They had Jeremy Clarkson on the pit crew that day. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising to get a hammer out. What was really gutting about it is was he just put the fresh tyres on and yeah. he was on the hunt. He, he, he was he had like four cars at home. Yeah, he was so He was probably going to do in quick, in quick succession, wasn't he? So mm-hmm. we missed that as a result. Like First time he opens his DRS to do one of them, he... Car fails on him. He was putting yeah, like was absolutely gutting. He was putting multiple seconds on people per lap ahead of him. At one mm. point, gutting. Yeah, I feel like a lot in this this season, this last few races, I feel like we've been robbed of we so really many have. good yeah. bits of racing because of reliability as well. It's... Like, I, I don't know whether it's like the complexity of the cars or whether it's just a bit of bad luck in recent times, but it seems like it happens a lot in Formula 1. Like, you'd be really excited for it. It's kind of now starting to look like the season as a whole is doing the same thing as well, isn't it? Yeah. This yeah. this close fight is kind of just disappearing now. It's sort of the season that could yeah. have been in a lot of ways, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it started out as... I mean, it still could be. You know, things can happen still. But anyway, let's let, we'll, we can probably get onto that after we've talked about yeah. the race. Yeah, we, well, there wasn't a huge amount left after Not a ton that. Left, we, no. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, the Force India <laughs> boys were running two by two, and so were the Haas boys. Yeah, um, it basically saw Perez wanting to attack Ocon, as we've kind of already touched on, and Grosjean wanting to attack Magnussen, uh, but being a little more polite about it and just asking to be let yeah. past. Um, what did you think of um, Magnussen's move on Massa into Turn One and Two? Ooh, bumptious. Is the word I'd use to describe that bumptious? Because Massa ran wide and opened the door. Yeah, this... and he was very opportunistic. Uh, yeah. I think there wasn't a huge amount wrong with it. Um, it was a little aggressive, but in this day and age of benefit of the doubt, trying to avoid penalties, uh, over penalising drivers and stuff like that, I'd say there was nothing particularly wrong with it. It was a very Kevin Magnuson overtake. Yeah, and this this yeah. is the thing as well. Like you know, if if I was Massa in that scenario, and I've had Magnuson in my mirror for what was about ten laps or something at that point, he'd been behind him for ages, or at least it felt like that. And then to leave the door open like that, in my head, I'm always thinking oh, he's gonna he's gonna have that gap. You know, I'd expect him to be there. So yeah. it, it, I don't know. You you could kind of see it coming as soon as Massa made the mistake and left the door open. Um, but it was a cost mistake as well because Grosjean followed him through as well. Yeah, but that shows how close on Magnussen's tail Grosjean was yeah, because exactly. he was straight through. He he sees the opportunity to get through as well and, and stay with Magnussen. So, you know, it ultimately cost Massa two places. But I don't think there was a huge amount wrong with it. Um, no. It, no. I think it was great. Yeah. It was a proper do or die yeah, I enjoyed it. It's what you want to see. It's the, you know, And if, if they 
if they if they have to bang wheels in order to get past, if he has to stick his elbows out, then so be it. That's racing, man. Yeah, and it it comes back, I suppose, to there was a similar move really early in the race that we've sort of skipped over, but Hulkenberg kind of muscled Raikkonen out on lap one in going around the spoon. Yeah, and nobody complained that I'm aware of. Uh, we didn't hear Raikkonen complain, or at least if he did. They never played the radio back. Um, I don't think Massa complained about the Magnussen thing. I don't he? think so, no. So it it just... I think the drivers are, are in a position now where they, they're less quick to jump on the radio and say, oh, so-and-so has done such-and-such because they know the leniency the um, stewards are going to when reviewing things now. Yeah. They, they, they realise yeah. that some of these little argy-bargy, elbows-out you know, tough racing moves, they they're just gonna get ignored anyway. So they're just accepting it and but they know next time <laughs> who to dive up the inside of for a bit of revenge maybe. Which makes things interesting because yeah. you get these little on track rivalries further down the pack because certain drivers kinda keep coming together. It's the difference yeah. between steaming in and a move that's never gonna come off and being on the yeah. edge and yes. sort of bumping wheels a bit. And that's the difference yeah. between where the penalties need to come in and where Absolutely. the penalties should be avoided. Because I, the thing with Magnussen, it should be avoided because that's him being opportunistic on a massive mistake. Him chucking that car down the inside while Massa's on the normal racing line is a joke and shouldn't be happening. And so that's why the move he made was fair, not yeah, over-aggressive. I, th- I, I think this new era of stewarding has been good for the racing so far. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely, definitely. Like you've seen that we've seen a lot more moves that probably wouldn't have been made. We've seen a lot more on-track action that we might not have seen in the past. I mean, the last few years, being more conscious. The last few years, it's just been constant car, whatever, car, whatever, under investigation by the stewards, and then yep. someone will be investigated after the race. And it's like that was just like every few laps that was popping up, and I don't yeah. remember seeing that actually for the last couple of races. I was just about to say, I'd yeah. hazard a guess that it must have gone down by at least a fifth because. Over the course of five races, you see that about as many times as you would in one race in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but maybe even yeah. less than that. I mean, you know, it, it's spread out over even more races. So I, I do like the fact that it's a lot more, um, a lot more lenient with the drivers. So yeah, it, f- it feels like they're letting them sort it out on the track almost now. Yeah, as opposed to yeah, stepping in all the time. Definitely. Um, during the closing laps, we saw uh, Lance Stroll with a right front puncture, which led to what I think is quite a scary moment, really, because he it struggled was, yeah. to control the car um, across the grass. It was at the end of the S's, wasn't it, as he was coming round to turn it seven was... to go up the hill, I think. No, it was into the first S, I think. It was like going into was turn it? three, I think, yeah. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I think I said to you at the time, Stu, if... If it had failed half a second before, he'd have just been straight into the wall in front of oh, him. Oh, yeah. yeah. It could have been a bit of a messy one. If yeah. He'd, uh, if it, I, well, if it... another reason for it being scary, I think, was the fact that he was obviously struggling to, to stop the car and keep keep hold of the control of it. And he'd got Ricardo behind him coming mm. round. And there was a moment where you were sort of seeing him coming flying across the grass and you were thinking, oh my yeah. God, he's going straight into Ricardo's path there. But he just managed to catch it. Oh, and he did watching a very the on good job of that. Yeah, watching the onboard, the way he caught it with the counter steering, you just think you, you wouldn't put him down as a rookie that was crashing into everything six months ago, would you? I don't think. Yeah. And I, I well, saw I that, and it, I saw an interesting <laughs> stat, which is that's his first DNF, I believe, in 13 races. 
which is weird. Mm. To yeah, I saw out. that. Because he was like I think if, DNF central for the first few and then so yeah. long without one. If that had have happened 13 races ago, I'd dread to think what would have happened to Ricardo. Yeah. Yeah. He's um he's definitely getting better as races go on, which is good for a rookie because that's what you'd want. Yeah. Yeah. Another stat I saw today, which I'm going to tell you while I think about it. Um, so Ocon now, I think he's only one or two races away from beating... Uh, the record for number of races oh. finished in a row, who which is currently held by Max Chilton. Max Chilton. I think he's. I think he might have even equaled the record. He equaled. Oh, yeah, he equaled it. He he equaled it this weekend. Is this yeah, as a rookie? Uh, as a rookie, so yeah. You're... from his first race yes. until now. Yeah. But even more impressively, if you go back to what he was doing before Formula One, he hasn't retired from fifty-three. I think it was straight races now. Wow. Across all the series what? he's been in. Now that's amazing. Now, it's, yeah, that is a steady pair of hands. Now that begs a question: when people are pointing the finger at the two Force India drivers as to who's causing the accidents, does that it's not very true, shed some actually. light maybe on it being more Perez every time? The fact that Quite he, possibly. he is so consistent at finishing, either that I or mean, he's just an absolute expert at taking out the other guy without taking out himself. Well, it could also he's been be that very hard. lucky to finish a few races this year. Yeah, yeah, yes, and I think large. I think there's been a couple. It's probably been equally to blame between the two of them. Um, the really the thing I want to know is where is Ocon going to end up in a couple of years' time? Yeah, because he is really showing what he can do this season. He's a very very talented driver. Because um, yeah. he's a Mercedes guy, right? Uh, I think he is. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think if Bottas is not in the seat in 2019, then that looks like a, an Ocon-shaped seat. Yeah, he me. is a Mercedes uh, drive development driver. Um, yeah. yeah, he's definitely one for the future, for sure. Um, and the the race was rounded out with a little bit of entertainment after the resulting virtual safety car from Lance Stroll's issues. Uh, we saw Max Verstappen trying to attack Hamilton. Um, ultimately, Lewis prevailed to take the win, but it wasn't without a little help from the um, the battle over tenth between Massa and Alonso. Um, yeah, that Max... was a bit naughty from Alonso there. Yeah, both Max, yeah. uh, both Alonso and Massa were taking a little bit of a long time to accept yeah. the blue flags, but because yeah. they were having a great battle, you know, they, for the last they, point. exactly they they were in a race themselves. To be fair to them, and um, Max wasn't at any point peeved off with that. I think the only thing he really said was, while ever Hamilton was behind those two, he had a chance of getting him. Um, once Hamilton was past them. Even if he'd got straight past them, he doesn't think that he'd have had a chance because he was noting that the Mercedes wasn't able to follow other cars as well as he was. And once the Mercedes was in clear air, it was gone. So he wasn't particularly annoyed directly at Massa or Alonso. It was more just the fact that it was a bit upsetting for him that Hamilton had got past them. Mm. If if Hamilton had not come across those two towards the end of the race, there's no way Verstappen would have ever got as no. close as he did yeah. in the first place. So there's no point penalising either of them. Yeah, that's very true. It, it just they'd be more they'd be more deserving of penalising them if Verstappen had got past Hamilton and won the race. I think because that would have yeah. cost Hamilton the race. Which he could have done. But I mean, the fact that he did get yeah, it could I mean, have. As, I mean, as you said at the time, I think it was the I think it was the last lap or the last one lap. Um, 
when he was right on Hamilton's tail going through the Degners and then he made a mistake on the exit of Degner 2 and mm-hmm. sort of lost a bit of ground. And I think if he'd yeah. not made that mistake, he would probably have had a dive into the hairpin. Yeah. yeah. But it wasn't to be. Mm. That was his one chance it was. in the race that he was gonna if he was gonna do it, that was the time to do it. But he just he he lost like probably three or four car lengths from that mistake and it just cost him massively. Yeah. Is he a candidate for driver of the day though? Um hmm. Driver of the Day. It's a tricky one. It is a tricky one. Uh I think Ocon was very, very impressive, as we said yeah. earlier. Uh, to own like say only had three of the top teams overtake him yeah uh, Raikkonen did a lot of, a lot of overtaking mm-hmm. yeah Ocon was probably the one that I got earmarked um, I think Max is one of the more obvious choices um, yeah I actually don't know who got the official one I don't remember it wouldn't surprise me if it was Max I don't probably remember. Verstappen yeah a race like this is good. usually Verstappen yeah yeah, I think both the Haas guys are worth a mention. Uh, from twelfth yeah. and thirteenth on the grid, uh, both finished in the points. Nice haul of points there, actually, for Haas. In fact, that moved them up the constructors' standings, I believe. Yeah, they overtook uh, Renault into seventh place with that result. There you go. Uh, I think Ocon's probably my choice. Uh, I think that's a fair choice, to be honest. I think that's it's definitely. The obviously it's the less ob- slightly less obvious one because you have got R- Verstappen who was basically picking up the mantle of uh, of Vettel, but Ocon probably did more with less of a car. I'd say. Yeah, I'd mine was probably going to end up being Ocon, so I might as well make it a clean sweep for young Esteban. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm right with that. The 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 only other thing I'd say about. Kimi Raikkonen dropped out. He got a bit caught out through spoon curve and then dropped down to fifth because yeah. Hulkerman basically nudged him off the track. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he dropped down from 10th to like 15th. So then he overtook, te- managed to overtake 10 cars. Yeah, it was a really decent fifth. comeback drive actually from Raikkonen. Yeah. So that was, I mean, if he'd not got himself in the situation in the first place, then he probably would have done, he might have been up in like second True. or third if he'd not dropped back so far. It's but, kind of um, the story of uh, Raikkonen's yeah, season though, isn't it? Yeah, you can't really give him driver of the day because he he got himself in too many sticky situations, I'd say. So, but notable mention. Um, I just like to point out. I was trying to see if I could quickly see on the website who officially got driver of the day, and I noticed Alonso actually did get two penalty points and a reprimand for ignoring the blue flags. Oh, really? Mm. So they did feel the need to penalise him. Um, Seems a little bit harsh. I think it's stupid. It's absolutely pointless. Absolutely pointless. It made no difference to the race. Um, he got by. They, they both got I past him. I will say what is quoted here is, Alonso noted in his hearing with the stewards that there was an opportunity to allow Hamilton to pass on the front straight, but not thereafter until turn 11. Um, the stewards accepted that there are limited safe places to let a car pass between turns 2 and 9, which contributed to the length of time it took to allow Hamilton through. Um but they felt that he should have <laughs> still done it anyway. I don't, I don't know. That's yeah. just I mean, really weird. Let... let Let's be real. The reason he didn't let him by is because he wanted to get past Massa yeah. to get those to get that yeah. point. Yeah, and I think I think it's worth getting a reprimand for when there's points on the line for a team like McLaren who need all the points. Uh, yeah, they can get and considering that Alonso's license is clean up to that point, that's his first reprimand of the season. Yeah. so it's not 
You know, it's not like he's in a Vettel situation. Where do you see something like that? There you go. Not that it would probably happen to Vettel at the minute, but something like that could quite easily, in a race or two, cost Vettel a 10 place grid penalty. Because that would be a driving standards yeah. reprimand and be his yeah. third. I mean, <laughs> hmm. One thing I'd say, Tom, is I don't see Vettel getting lapped. No, that's, that's, <laughs> what, that's what I'm race. saying. Like, it's probably not going to happen <laughs> in that fashion, but it just shows how easy it is to pick one up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, well, if 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 arguably the best driver on the grid can pick up a reprimand, anyone can pick yeah. up a reprimand. Your assumption was correct. Verstappen did get driver of the day. Yeah, that's so. It's normally safe to assume that if it's a sort of vaguely normal race, Verstappen will win it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, move of the day. Um, there were a few good ones. Again, from Max, uh, Ricardo had one himself from the outside of Perez into turn one, which was a nice gutsy move. We've talked about the one for. Bottas into turn one when it was him, Ricardo, and Vettel. But any any yeah. others stand out for you yeah. guys? Uh, Verstappen into turn one on his teammate, yeah. I think, was a cracking move. It was proper balls to the wall, no old bad, you know, straight through crew. <laughs> <laughs> um, a mention to the uh, Magnussen on Massa move yeah. purely for David Croft saying. Uh, he uh, something like he forced his hass past him or something like that, which I enjoyed. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I I think Ricardo around the outside of Perez is probably my favourite one. Um, anything around the outside at Turn One in Suzuka always looks amazing. So yeah, um, mm. I think for me it was the the Max muscling Vettel on the hairpin, even if Vettel was having issues. So what are you going to go with, Stu? That's fair. Uh, well, mine's Verstappen on his team, mate, into turn one. So it's, it's a oh, Red Bull clean sweep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Right, yeah. we'll give it to Red Bull yeah. as a whole then. Yeah, we'll just give it Red Bull. Yeah. And then that leads us to... Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? Well, um, there's a few things that I've noted down for this section this week. <laughs> um, but not not so many of them are what we'd normally put forward for this but i think they're still worthy so one is vettel's silly reprimand which could come back to haunt him in the next couple of races um the other one is the whole renault palmer toro rosso science gasly kvyat mess that is driver seats <laughs> um and then I th- the other two that i think really race wise were Probably Sainz's weekend as a whole because he didn't really have an enjoyable FP1 after binning it coming out of the hairpin. Uh, so it's twice he's been yeah. in the barriers this weekend. Never seen anyone crash there before. Yeah, and uh, um, then Ericsson's silly accident as well in between Degna 1 and 2 that we were talking about earlier. But yeah, I can't think of a huge amount more unless you guys have got any suggestions. Nothing else springs to mind. I, I mean, th- there's one obvious on. one, which is how on earth... In a Formula One team, does a spark plug stop you from running your engine, running your car, mm-hmm. when you're in a fight for a championship? That seems pretty absurd Actually, to me. Actually, on that, which I forgot earlier, um, I think it was someone from Mercedes said that um, the Ferrari has got a much sort of more tightly packaged, sleeker um, sort of rear end, which is obviously a massive advantage. But as a result... It takes Mercedes about fifteen minutes to change a spark plug, whereas it takes Ferrari significantly longer, which is why they mm. didn't have time to change it on the grid. 
There you go. Absolutely. I mean, these are these are if these are sort of fail points on a car, you need to be able to get to them quick. Yeah, yeah it's very true. Well, it's like you say, it shouldn't be a fail point, but there we go. Yeah, it, should, it shouldn't be. No, I mean, if 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 in a road car, a uh, spark plug can last hundreds of thousands yeah. of miles, which I've I've known them too, then there's no reason why it should be failing after what a qualifying session in a yeah. Formula One car. I'm it's just I know I know the tolerances are a lot different, but still, come on. Uh, I'm tempted to say give it to um, signs for finding a new place to crash, but actually I think we should give it to that spark plug specifically. Should we, should we go with the spark plug? <laughs> the yeah, spark plug. Yeah, the spark that's a good plug. idea. The Ferrari spark plug. Who supplies Ferrari's spark plugs? Give it yeah. to them. We'll find out and send them the award in the post. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough then. I'll go with a unanimous spark plug vote. I'm happy <laughs> for that. Uh, we had a couple of things sent in this week um, for inbox box box, which I still not don't have a little sound clip for because we don't do it all that often. <laughs> um, but our Portuguese namesakes in Fim do Grid, which is basically back of the grid in Portuguese. Uh, our Portuguese well, te- cousins. Technically, it's our Brazilian cousins, um, but obviously they speak Portuguese oh, over there. Sorry. It's, it's me. I introduced them <laughs> as Portuguese. It's fine. It's my fault. <laughs> uh, but yeah, our Brazilian cousins um, who do listen to the show, as I found out. Uh, I'd love to return the favour, but I'm guessing it's in Portuguese. It is in Portuguese. I'm not sure I'll get much out of that, sadly. Unfortunately, I can't. I I feel exactly the same. Sorry, guys. But they sent a few sort of questions and talking points just to see what our opinions were. So um, the first one was, uh, is it possible that Red Bull could finish the season ahead of Ferrari with Max Verstappen going above Kimi Raikkonen in the standings? Well, at the rate they're both scoring... I mean, it's entirely possible. Verstappen is, what is he, 37 points behind Raikkonen? Yep, and Red Bull are about 90-something, 92, 93 points behind Ferrari now. Yeah, 92. Yeah. Um, both very much doable if the current... I mean, to, I doubt the current state of affairs will continue. I actually think Ferrari probably are going to be well up there in Austin, and they should win in Mexico in theory. But again, they should have won in Singapore and in wherever we were last race, Malaysia. Malaysia. <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, I also think it's entirely possible that Bottas will overtake Vettel in the uh, championship as well. He's only uh, 13 points behind. Uh, Not even that, no. Yeah, it's, it's, thir- it's 13 points. He's 30 points behind Vettel and Vettel is 59 points behind Hamilton. Um Hamilton can technically speaking seal the title in the US, but it would need yeah, it a very sort of certain set of results. But well, no, it just needs to win it and and Vettel sixth, I think. Yeah, I suppose it's not that specific, but yeah, um, <laughs> sixth is not a result Vettel's managed in three races. To be fair, yeah, yeah. So that's it. I mean, it, it's not going to take a with the reliability they've been showing this last few races as well. I mean, it's not at, it's. It's, it's not a million miles outside of the realms of possibility. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, as much as we are, we would probably call ourselves Hamilton fans here. I would be gutted if the championship ended next race. Oh yeah, I would. I mean, th- this going back to the reliability thing. This, you know, this this season again, 
it, we've been just robbed so many times now of of some really 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 close good racing some you know for years and years we've wanted this duel between Vettel and Hamilton and we finally get it and then it gets to the sharp end of the season and it's just snatched yeah. away from us in such a sort of yeah. savage I mean, way we've been talking about maybe trying to get all three of us together for the last race of the season but the way it's going it might be a waste of time because it might all be over by then <laughs> Yeah, we'll just get absolutely <laughs> smashed watching the last race together. Drunk <laughs> 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 podcasting. Um, they also, uh, on a similar note, said, uh, when and where do we think Ferrari started to lose the technical advantage over Mercedes? And in my honest answer, I would say I don't think they have. I think it is purely the reliability. Um, I, I think that on their day, those two cars functioning properly, f- there will still be tracks where Mercedes are slightly better, but Ferrari are better at other places. Um, and some of the tracks where Red Bull are thinking they're going to be strong, like Mexico, is exactly where Ferrari ought to be strong against the Mercedes. And I don't think they've lost that technical advantage. I think they've lost the reliability advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where the season could swing back, because I think there's a very good chance in... Mexico that the top four spots are going to be the two Ferraris and the two Red Bulls. I think Mercedes are going to really yeah. struggle to even get a podium there. I do. On paper. The heat in, Aust- the heat in Austin is really, really going to Yeah, that's Mercedes, true as well. I can tell you. They're, they're going to chew They're going to have a rough couple of races, I think. They're going to have no... Yeah, they'll have a decent qualifying, but their race pace is not going to be there in... Uh... Unless they can fix, you know, in, in the next two weeks, they can fix some of the issues they've got with their diva yeah. car, and in inverted commas. Because, I mean you'd think with the straights at Mexico it would be a Mercedes track but the air is so thin because it's so high they run pretty much maximum downforce there and high downforce yeah. is not that car's favourite way to be set up yeah. so yeah what are the temperatures like in, in uh, Mexico is that, is, that, is that quite I suppose they're high up so it can't be that yeah hot. I think I mean obviously Mexico is a pretty warm place but I'm guessing the altitude sort of takes away from that a little bit cools it down yeah. a little bit yeah yeah well, we'll find out in a couple Indeed. of weeks. Mm. Uh, and then the last one from uh, Film de Grid was, uh, what do we think about Massa and Alonso fighting over the one misery point for the most of the race? <laughs> <laughs> um, Miser- misery <laughs> point. Um, they both seem to be fighting to not lose to rookies in the championship and pointing out Massa on 34 points with Stroll on 32 and then Van Dorn ahead of Alonso, 13 to 10. Um, are both of them doing overtime in F1? Well... This may be aimed at you, Chris, because of your opinion on Felipe Massa. <laughs> this is my thing. Yeah. I think this race, for me, proved why Williams are looking to replace Massa, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's he's very much past his best. I think he would. I'd much rather have a, a different, more interesting driver in that car. As for Alonso, I think Alonso's done enough this season to prove he's still very much got the skills. He's... Yeah. He's had a rough year for other reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with driving standards. If you look at um Alonso's record this year, he's had he had a retirement in race one, Australia, then another in China, um fourteenth due to oh no, he didn't even finish actually the next race. He but he was classified, uh, that was Bahrain. Then how many others has he got? Just to think. That's the fourth one. He didn't even compete in Monaco. Yeah. Uh, th- there's just so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. T- is is this, out of the races we've had so far, he's not finished yeah. ten of them. There we go. It's kind of it, isn't it? <clears throat> I think after a yeah. 
they had a surprisingly good time of it in Malaysia and everyone sort of went, oh, this Honda divorce might not be such a good idea. And I think this race has been kind of back down to earth with just how bad that car and yeah. engine combination yeah. is. Just to, com- just to compare that previous note, uh, Stoffel has only had five non-finishers this season compared to Alonso. So as in theory, you would expect him to have more points. Yeah. In theory, which he does marginally. Um, on a similar note, at least around the same team and driver, um, Craig Mitchell said, it's exciting times for McLaren given what Red Bull are doing with the Renault engine. Um, mm-hmm. Alonso must be nursing a semi for sure. <laughs> oh yeah lovely that would be comfortable uh, with a six yeah. point seat belt <laughs> the really exciting thing about uh the noises coming out of renault are that they're gonna have the well they're, they're working really hard to have the so-called magic yeah. engine mode for qualifying next yes. season to allow them to compete with the likes of ferrari and i think that's one of their priorities for 2018 isn't it is to, is to have yeah. something like that so should be very and interesting you would you would expect mclaren to make as good a chassis as Red Bull. Yeah, definitely. So with the same engine yeah. in the back, you would expect them to be very much fighting in the same position that Red Bull are next How year. How interesting, different yeah, and I... nice would it be to see like Verstappen, Ricardo, Alonso and Stoffel just fighting for a world title between the four of them? Yeah, I imagine. Just such a turn of fortune for everybody. Yeah, I mean, we've not really seen what Stoffel can do yet, I don't think. In fact, I didn't realise until I read today that he holds the record for wins in a single season in GP2. Um, oh, yeah, he, which, he dominated that series. Yeah. Absolutely dominated it. I, I, which in a spec series is damn impressive. Yeah, I was willing for him to get the McLaren seat for so long when I was watching him in GP2. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just really unfortunate. And let's remember this as well. There was a race where he stepped in. Was it? I can't remember where it was last season. It was Bahrain. Yeah, and he scored a point on his debut mm. um, in uh, again a, a hope. What was still a hopeless car at the time. So you know, like I think he's had a rough time in the in the same respect as what Alonso's having. So it'd be really nice to see what he can do with it with a Renault engine in the back. Um, providing that Renault engine yeah. keeps improving like it seems to be. He's had uh, three points finishes this season. Um, he came 10th in Hungary. Uh, he was 7th in Singapore and 7th in Malaysia. So he has actually turned yeah. it on a little bit. The last two races, I mean, this race just gone, he was 14th, so not 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 a great result. But the two before that, he's, he's, he's come good, come quite yeah. good. Uh, Craig Coburn says, uh, there's generally good race in my opinion, quite enjoyed it. Uh, was pretty funny when Reynolds hit their own car and broke it, which was a shame for Hulk because I like him. Um, and then just asking, what do we think Vettel's demise has been, um, and what is the source of the issue for Ferrari's current troubles? It seems to have struggled a wee bit in the last few races. If I knew that, I'd be uh, seeing if Ferrari would employ me. To be honest, um, yeah, I don't think I'd go and work there. <laughs> <laughs> Maryland looks quite a nice place. Um, I think like I said earlier, I think. Vettel seems to be sort of cracking a little bit. I think he's kind of... It's a combination of frustration and uh, impatience and yeah. poor decision-making. And when you're adding these Definitely. silly little mistakes from him to Ferrari's woes, mm. it's like a double whammy of bad news yeah. for him. Yeah, it, it, I think his head's gone a bit now. 
at this point. I, f- I feel like, is th- and that's showing in all the silly things that he's doing, like yeah. and, and all the sort of not giving a crap sort yeah. of attitude. Especially when Hamilton is so people. calm these days. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I think the source of their issues is maybe it's the stress of fighting for a world title. It's letting maybe maybe there's still the mistakes creeping in behind the scenes that are, are leading to some of these mechanical problems but we yeah. don't we don't well, know. without I mean, you know without being in the team i don't think you're ever going to know what's truly I, going on are you yeah i can tell you one thing that won't help and that's when you've got sergio marchioni stood at the back of the garage watching them put an engine back together 20 minutes before yeah. the race <laughs> yeah. looming over them yeah yeah that would definitely not help definitely. Uh, i think there's a big one thing i've noticed over the years is just that this huge sort of overbearing pressure by the people who run Absolutely. things at Ferrari that you don't really see at other teams. In other teams, like like Mercedes, for example, yes, they run it in a very efficient and, and there's a very strong leadership, but they work as a team. That you know, yeah. they, the, the sort of the team owners lead the team, that the bosses lead the team, whereas at Ferrari, the bosses tell the team what to do. Yeah. And there's a big difference between leading and bossing people around. And to me, Ferrari definitely boss people around. Yeah, I, c- I can see the difference there, and it, it makes perfect sense. I'm with you on that one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the last little one was uh, from Paul Kelsall. Uh, was Verstappen? How good is he? And when will we see him win a world title? Ooh, I think that all depends on what he's driving in uh, 2019. Well, the second caveat yeah. with that was. Who do we think he will be with when he wins his world title, or if yeah. he wins his world title? If Renault can get their act together and get this, which it looks like they're finally doing next season, he might be in with a chance. Maybe Hulkenberg slowly pushed out in favour of Verstappen, and go with Science Verstappen as a team at Renault. Yeah, be a possibility. Reunite two, two, two former red, yeah, yeah, two Red Bull drivers end up at yeah. Uh, to be honest, I yeah. think if Red Bull don't deliver a car for those guys to be fighting for wins like regularly next season, I think either Ricardo or Verstappen will end up at Mercedes. That would be my prediction. In, I'm, I'm assuming in replacement of Bottas. Yeah, because he's only on one year deal. Yeah. Um, I think a potential Ferrari, for Ferrari seat. I th- possibly, yeah, possibly. Right, Raikkonen's officially only contracted until the end of next season. Mm-hmm. 2019 is like coming towards the end of 2018 coming towards the end of next season is probably going to be a huge time for driver changes we Same say that he's going to be talking, off the chain next year yeah like we yeah. think it's a little messy and chaotic now in 2019 you've got a Bottas contract up a Hamilton contract up a Raikkonen contract up Sainz is officially off his loan deal so there's a seat at Renault um Alonso's not got many years on his deal, has no. he? It doesn't his I think deal he's going year by year at this point. Yeah, so There's two Red Bull seats. Yeah. Two Red Bull seats as well. Yeah, officially their contracts are done. So it's Yeah, there's the, uh, put, put the names in a hat yeah. and yeah, pull them all it, out and they can be your predictions because there's just no way. It would be really interesting to see how teams are doing next season and who wants to move where as a consequence. Because yeah. as soon as one driver makes the jump, that's going to trigger a huge chain reaction, I think. And it will be really interesting to see who goes where first next year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Hamilton... Well, it depends what the 
what what happens with the cars, obviously. But I I can't imagine Hamilton going anywhere. No, he'll he's definitely finishing. His... I think he'll re- yeah he'll retire. At yeah, more than I, likely, I would think. Yeah, I don't think. I wonder how long Hamilton's got left in him as well. Yeah, there's been a bit of talk recently, haven't there? Is he sort of seems to be coyly mentioning that um, he's sort of just just sort of sniping at the idea of of uh, of leaving. I reckon. Do you think he could do a do a a, a Rosberg and just jack it in at the end of the season if he wins it? I my prediction is that he'll retire with five championships. Do you think he'll go I think five. five will. I think he'll go for five. Did you um? Did you see when uh, Takuma Sato was on the podium? We were talking yeah. about the, no, oh, yeah. the 500 ring. Yeah, he was like, nice bling, and Sato oh. said, it's actually the Indy 500 ring, and Hal said, I'll have to get me one of them. Yeah, he was like saying, I want yeah, one of yeah. those, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I, I can really see him wanting to go do another sport. He's always expressed an interest in going to do bikes. He's, re, he's always expressed yeah, really wanting to he, try MotoGP. And you see a lot of him on his social media feeds, like his Instagram, Twitter, whatever else, on bikes and doing stuff on bikes and with like these high-performance bikes. It was only a few weeks ago, um, insert name of bike manufacturer here, um, released their... like. Lewis Hamilton's signature model, like uh, mm-hmm. they're only making forty-four of this kind of souped-up Hamilton yeah. edition bike. That's cool, yeah. Toto Wolf can't be very happy, can he? <laughs> you don't want you don't want your star driver riding around on a motorbike. You really don't. At all. No. Um, well, Schumacher had issues with a bike injury at one point, didn't he? Didn't that? Yeah, he did. That was that what curbed his return. He was gonna. He was going to come back, wasn't he? And then it was during his retirement, and he had a bike accident, and then didn't come right, back yeah. when he was going to come back. And because didn't he actually race bikes for a short time? I don't know if he raced them mega competitively, but I know he no, was very much was into like, his bikes and track. Yeah, racing. he was like a lower level. But I'm sure he actually mm. like did some competitive riding at one point. Yeah, I think for a small time. Uh, but I'd, I could go along with this five title thing because yeah, a the, lot of people talk about him going for Schumacher's record, but I don't think he's. Nah. Got enough years left in him to do that, to be honest. Yeah, well, he's, nah, he's, he's 32 so, yeah. now. Um, Sebastian, he sort of said as much as well. Yeah, Sebastian's 30, so he, he's got a, l- a couple of years extra in him, maybe over Lewis. But I think, I think, sort of becoming the most successful Briton for him, he's, he's currently tied with Jackie Stewart um, when he won his third. So becoming the most successful Briton yeah. by winning a fourth will probably give him some kind of um like landmark that he may feel happy to buy out uh, sorry bow out at but yeah. to tie one of arguably the greats in one man yeah try again one manuel fangio with five i think that would like you say maybe be his top goal if he could do if he wins the one this season i think he'll go for one more basically if he if he wraps this one up he will go for one more Tom, Tom, Tom. Say Juan Manuel Fangio again. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Where were we? Oh, uh, (laughs) you distracted me. But that's it for Inbox Box Box. It's very nice to have so many fans come in. Um, Yeah. But I suppose now we should really do predictions, shouldn't we? Before we do, I know we're running quite long. There's a couple of things that I saw earlier I wanted to mention. Go on. Um, so first of all, there was also racing going in on, in a Hareth this weekend, um, where Charles Leclerc uh, 
got the Formula 2 Championship wrapped up and uh, George Russell got the GP3 Championship wrapped up. Yes. Uh, yeah, both, good yep, lads. Both names I think we'll see in Formula... Well, Leclerc's almost certainly going to be in F1 next year, I think. And I imagine Russell is probably only a few years away as well. Yeah, let's see how he does in GP2. Hopefully very, very well indeed because yeah. he's dominated Absolutely, the, yeah. the F, yeah. F3. In fact, mentioning, sorry, F, F2. Yeah. In fact, mentioning Van Dorn's uh, wins in a season record, I think if Leclerc wins both the remaining races in Abu Dhabi, he will take that record from him, which I think is entirely possible the way he's been driving this year. Yeah. Um, and last thing, in bizarre news of the week, uh, so at the US Grand Prix in a couple of weeks' time, the um, mm. this sort of grid uh, uh, start procedure, all of that business, um, is going to be all starting 50 minutes earlier than usual. So the cars will get into the grid 50 minutes earlier than they normally do. The reason being is that they are going to be having some kind of unique entertainment package during the whole opening. And as part of that, the drivers are going to be introduced by one yep. Michael Buffer. Yep. Who That's you may know is, as the know. person who says, let's get ready to rumble before every boxing match ever. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, he's introducing all the drivers in Austin. <laughs> I can't wait. It's gonna t- no wonder they're giving him an extra 15 take- minutes. <laughs> Think how long it takes him to say one yeah. name. He'll <laughs> need <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> so that's going to be utterly bizarre, but I can't wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. Should be interesting. That's cool. I'm I'm really excited to see the USA Grand Prix now. We're living to me. Oh, it's going to be because it, they must have a few tricks up their sleeve for this race. It's going to be you know mental. After reservations about where they might go with it and maybe go, uh, you know, too over the top, I think they've pretty much nailed it. I I can't really say that they've done anything too overboard, and if anything, they've done things I wouldn't I didn't expect them to do that have surprised me and been nice to see things like the drivers briefings that we've talked about and we were watching earlier yeah, today social media and just the 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 way that they've allowed teams to start interacting more in social media and um, the things like the event in London and so on that these are things that Bernie was yeah. just like nope. Nope, 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 and they dragged them. They've dragged the sport kicking and screaming into this century, yeah. which is brilliant. The really to cool see. thing they've done, the really cool thing for Formula One they've done is that they've they've made a Facebook page for. Formula I know, right? One. I don't know if you've been on it. It's Facebook.com/slash/Formula One, and it's got all things to do with Formula One on it. It's brilliant. That's crazy yeah. talk. Um, <laughs> another really cool, an actual really cool thing they've done is: have you noticed they've started putting the names of the turns on? the turns like the, co- yes, the, the numbers I did of the corners that. on the corners yes. so like they have little sort of what would normally be like a 100 meter board on the back of the 100 meter board it might say turn 5 or whatever turn it might be which I think is really nice because you know where you always know in the audience instantly yeah, without having to rely on the commentators hear. and your own knowledge of the track yeah you know where, the, where yeah. they are that's a really cool little touch yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things like the, the commentary team that obviously we're very used to and I think a lot of listeners will be used to just because they are part of the world feed in David Croft and Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle does a very good job of trying to, I don't want to say dumb things down, but simplify things for people newer to the sport or that just don't understand some of the technicalities of the sport without boring us lot that feel like we know just about everything. And he does a in my opinion, an amazing job of 
Well, what you've got to remember is you can only use the DRS when you're within a sec- second of the car in front of you. And it'll just slip it in and you don't even notice it as a long-term, I know everything yeah. kind of fan. And I think that putting things like the names on the back of the corners is just one of the steps that helps helps him do his job better because he'll do his best to sort of say, oh, this is going on at turn nine, or I think somebody's gone off at turn nine. But somebody who doesn't know the track inside out like we do isn't going to know what turn nine is. And having seen that marker board, you know, five or ten laps earlier, they're suddenly going to think, oh, yeah, I know I know where they mean. Is, is that right-hander? Is it's it, all you know, part it's... of demystifying a very complex sport, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well done, <clears throat> Liberty Media. <laughs> Yeah, keep it up. Predictions. <clears throat> Predictions. Uh, shall I let you have a rest from talking for a bit? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, so another bumper week, lots and lots of people entering, so that's always awesome. Um, fastest qualifier was lots and lots of points across the board. Um, obviously, Hamilton was the obvious choice. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of us got the point for that. Um, winner also Hamilton. Not so many people had that. Tom, you said Vettel. Um, mm. We had quite a few Vettels actually. He was the most popular choice after Hamilton. Uh, one shout for Ricardo from Paul Kelsel as well. Uh, first DNF, which was Carlos Sainz. We had no uh, interest of Sainz. Um, Simon from Admit One got the half a point there for saying Vettel, um, which at the time we thought was a bold shout, but yeah. given Ferrari's current I woes. I was gutted. I, I, I was going to go for Sainz last week. Can you remember? I was. I was bored of going for you. Very nearly did, yes. And then I didn't. Mm. Anyway, um, <laughs> number of finishers, which was fifteen. You've not we was fifteen. You haven't written down Sorry. the number, so I got confused. I apologise. <laughs> uh, again, no gets for fifteen, but Paul Kelsall and Craig Mitchell both get half a point for saying sixteen. We were all way off. We said eighteen and twenty between us. The, lot. the thing is, everybody yeah. went really the, high. Like sixteen was obviously the lowest guess yeah. between those two. Everybody, you mm. know, there were a couple of seventeens from Ica and uh, Femme de Grid because they entered for the first time. Um, a lot of eighteens, nineteen, and then me going with the bold nobody because. Bear in mind, I had logic. <laughs> the last two races had seen all cars finish both races, but it couldn't have imploded any more drastically for me that could it nope <laughs> science <laughs> off within two corners yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um and then our random driver gasly two uh, of us got that right 13th place uh, me and tom from the anywhere but here podcast yeah. so i'll quickly run through the scores uh, i just said fim de grid in their first week unfortunately didn't get any points but they're on the lead order anyway uh, Joel versus Gaming on Twitter is still on half a point. Andres Varda still on a point. Eric Richardson goes up a position. Just a shout out for Anders Varda, who sent us a message on Facebook to say, "Sorry, I forgot to do my predictions, but here's a picture of me instead." Oh yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah, I was very happy with it. I liked that myself. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for that, Anders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then Henrik Lindoff is on two points. Simon from Mit One is up to four and a half points. Uh, Gina on Twitter goes up to four and a half points as well. Fast the new 14 stays on five. Tom from Aero, but here is up to nine points. Ika goes up to 14 points. Uh, Paul Kelsall only half a point this week on 15 and a half, which means he drops a place to Craig Mitchell, who jumps ahead. He's on 16 and a half. That's life on 19 and a half. Uh, me and Stu now on equal points, uh, 23 apiece. Oh, so close. Uh, and we both caught up on Tom. We only scored one this week and he's on 26. Yeah, and I'm not so going to be so bold. So it's all very, 
very close at the top. Yeah. Poised. Poised. I, I, I'm going to do a little shout out for Craig Mitchell there because he's now second place in the listeners behind That's Life, three points behind them. And he's only done half the season. I know Dat's Life did miss a few races at the beginning and they joined us three or four races in. But Craig's only been with us a, a, a few races now, hasn't he? Since, a, since just mm. before the summer break. So, yeah. Do you have a Betfair account, Craig, Craig Mitchell? <laughs> 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 Maybe start chucking some money. Yeah. <laughs> um, we had a new addition for long-term predictions as well. So... Weirdly, mine and Chris's can now both come true. Um, it is entirely plausible because I was saying Gasly will drive in USA instead of Super Formula, and Chris said Daniel Kvyat will score points on his return. Um, and we were we were expecting that if Gasly stayed, Kvyat wouldn't race, and vice versa. But now it could they could both happen. So that stays interesting for both of us, right? <laughs> Where are you going with this? Well, <laughs> Stu, unfortunately for you, <laughs> um, yours was the title will finish 10 points or closer. Still possible. Could still happen. Could still but happen. Absolutely. But look, it, it, we're getting late into the season now. All the engines are getting old as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's... There's going to be reliability. There's going to be reliability trouble for, trouble for Hamilton. I can't even get my words out. There's <laughs> going to be reliability trouble for Hamilton before the end of the season. Would you like to say one more? Oh, I, can't, I can't even say. It. I was going to say, would you like to say one more? Fangio, what is wrong with mate? <laughs> um, Fall into bits. Uh, I, I, I will happily put that in as another long-term prediction. Actually, that Hamilton will have car failure boot before the end of the season in the last four races. Well. I wasn't doing this to have a dig at you. I was doing this to introduce the fact that Eric Richardson decided to join in with long-term predictions <laughs> and send one in uh, saying, Vettel will hit a barrier and claim it turned into him. <laughs> Which I, I, I like the comedy element of it, so I decided to throw it into the pot with the rest of them. Um, we also had one more uh, set of debut predictions that got zero points, and that was from uh, my other fellow podcaster, Brett Allen. Uh, oh yes, I didn't forget were, to put them in. I apologise. He Brett. said, "Fastest qualifier, your mom. Uh, winner, Jesus. First retirement, Mario Andretti. Uh, zero cars to finish. And where will Pierre Gasly finish? France. Um, so unfortunately, no points there for Brett. But yeah. but thank you for taking part. All the same, technically possible for him to get one point. In there, theory, he could have got the... one point there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You never know, Michael Andretti might have turned up in... Uh... Oh, so did you say Michael or Mario? I think it's Michael. Yeah. I think he said Juan Manuel Fangio. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing is, now, in editing, I'm going to have to leave most of that in to make that yes, joke make sense. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> right, should we go away? It's been a long one. Yeah. It has been a long one. Yeah. Um, if anyone would like to join in with either the Prediction League for the weekly race predictions or the uh, long-term predictions, if you have your own and you'd like to send them to us, uh, the most preferable place to do so is Back of the Grid F1 on Twitter. But you can also find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid, Instagram, uh, Back of the Grid, and backofthegrid.com. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at StupyX. You can find Tom on Twitter at TomKing89. And you can find Chris at TNMChris. And I think that's it. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to do the outro, Chris? Do you want to just like go and that's it? Do you want to do that? Go on then. Just so you can say something. All right. <laughs>
that's it. Go away, everyone. Bye. <laughs> oh, all right, Charlie Brooker. <laughs> <laughs> we've done like 20 minutes more than we normally do, and we've just completely lost our minds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, by the way, as well, before, before, just before we go, NGK Spark Plugs, they provide spark plugs to Ferrari. I'm naming and shaming. Well done okay, if you've well, lasted this long and you now know that tidbit of information. Uh, remember to join us next week for our USA Grand Prix preview goodbye everybody bye Juan Manuel Fangio. If you've made it this far, the code word is albatross. <laughs> the code is albatross. The, the beauty of going for a long time is you can actually name and shame and get away with it because I doubt anyone will listen to that. <laughs> <to> that <one. laughs> Juan Manuel Fangio. Nailed it. <laughs>